All I can say is, if you get in shape, there's no way I'm, I'd be able to keep up with you in racquetball. And you I have it. always told you I am in shape, round is a shape. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 148. I'm John Congdon, and with me tonight is Eric Van Johnson. Hello. I need to talk like that, like, just all the time. <laughs> Don't need my normal voice. Hey! Guess who's not with us tonight? This is so weird. weird. Is this you're is this... listening to? Just by the way, Mister Mister Radio Voice doesn't like to do the intro correctly, but you're listening to one of the premier developer podcasts <laughs> on recorded in Southern California on a Thursday night. We've 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 done our metrics, and we are one of the top ones. I don't care. What There's the so, police reports say? There, there are so many qualifiers on that. It's not hey, funny. You know? It's all so, about being the best. So is this the first episode that Thomas hasn't been on? Great question. So first off, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, if you're a regular show listener, Thomas is not with us today. To answer your question, John, technically no. If you recall, you and I recorded a live show at HP uh, yeah. years ago. So technically, this is his second missed episode, but this is probably his first missed episode where he actually missed it because of we, his reasons and not because we forced him out. We, yeah. <laughs> to be so, to be clear, he was invited to that one. He just refused to get on a plane. This is true. This is true. We couldn't we couldn't overcome all the technical hurdles to uh Virtually get him on there either. So we can finally have a short episode. This is what I'm Thomas talking about. Thomas is okay. I mean, you know it has to be something pretty serious for Thomas to, to miss a show. But he is he is okay. But yes, he does have something pretty serious going on. And he's going to miss a show. <laughs> but he's still going to edit, right? No, I doubt it. Are you kidding me? Mister, I'll have, I'll have episode 147, you know, out by Monday morning. Yeah. yeah, I'll have it I'm done by Sunday. Today. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, he did say Sunday. This is weird. Like, I don't know what to talk to you about. Like, we see each other every day, all day <laughs> long. It's like, what do we speak about? I don't know. But I know you haven't been feeling well this week. So I'm happy you oh, made it tonight. Yeah, it's been a really rough week for me. I... I was even telling Thomas when he let us know he wasn't going to be on the show. I'm like, man, I was really hoping you were going to carry the show because I have either, I've been coming into the office, um, been working in the mornings uh, until about noon, one, two o'clock. And then I've been like, my body has just been completely crashing after that. Um, Today was no exception. I actually went home probably around three o'clock and slept. Up until seven. I feel like I'm getting better though. That's like I'm, I'm feeling feeling better. I'm feeling I'm on the tail end of it. But yeah, it's been a rough week. And, and I can picture that conversation with him now, Thomas. I was really hoping you'd carry the show because you know John can't, and I'm not feeling well. I, I, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much pretty much right on. Yeah. But <laughs> Mr. Quiet himself. Week. If we want to give away some spoilers, we did have a fun week. We got, we got to pay to taxes. 
Oh, no, we sorry. Have to pay taxes. <laughs> that's not what you're talking about. Sorry. But let's let's circle back on that. I, I would like to touch on that. But uh we did we did get to interview um Chris uh Hart Hart how do you say his last name? Hart Hart Jess. Hart Chris Jess. Hart Jess. Grumpy yeah. programmer. Grumpy programmer. Uh if you follow him on Twitter. Um what and the odds we- are he does yeah, the odds are he does not follow you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty pretty sure he doesn't follow you. Yeah. We but we were talking cool we, So we were trying to get in touch with him and you're like, see if he follows you so we can direct message him about uh interviewing. And we go and look and I think he follows 14 people. <laughs> but he has yeah. so many followers. It's crazy. Yeah. We uh we interviewed him for the PHP Architect podcast, the PHP podcast, which is the podcast for the php architect magazine so that should probably be getting released any day now uh i i got that edited and sent over to the editor of php architect uh this tonight actually i just got it sent over to him so he'll he typically reviews it then he'll usually publish like on a monday or tuesday so i imagine you'll see it um next week but good good show that that podcast is is starting to grow on me it was it was weird because it's like when we approached php architect about potentially doing a podcast for them they were like they liked the idea but they didn't know what they wanted and we were kind of like well we don't really know how we want to do it but we think (laughs) you know we think it would be cool for you guys to have one and we've been doing it now for over a year let me say like two years are we going on two years now we're on episode must, 19. It, it must be, them. because it it was tech two years ago that we started the conversation. Mm. And it, I mean, it took a couple months after tech before we got started. So, yeah, it's it's been that long. It's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. I, mean, I, I remember our first couple where they were scripted and just <laughs> horrendous. <laughs> Not horrendous, but uh, it was a different format. Yeah, they were, they were well, pretty the, bad. The idea was that it was going to be a fifteen-minute show. Like the, I really yeah. wanted it to be fifteen minutes, and then like a ten-minute interview. And the whole show was to be under thirty minutes. And once I I realized that was never going to happen. <laughs> uh, All right, what else were you? You wanted to circle so back you, to taxes. So you said taxes. Uh, here in the U.S., I, I, I'm always curious how other countries do taxes, but here in the U.S., it's tax day. Or not, today's tax day. Tax day was back on Monday, and we, we were actually lucky because typically uh, the 14th, but the 14th was a Sunday, so. No, it's always uh, the 15th. Is it always the 15th? Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was always the 14th. Nope. It's the fifteenth, unless the fifteenth is a holiday or weekend. So let me ask you a question: As a small business owner, and for those of you who aren't aware, John and I are business partners. As a small business owner, do you have any different view on taxes? Like, besides the fact that you pay more in taxes now, <laughs> do you have? No, uh, thank, thanks so. Uh, Thanks, Trump. No, we we made out on taxes this year. Well, we actually did get, not only because of Trump, but because of Wave PHP. <laughs> well, well, there's that. So we took a huge loss on that. So we had a bigger write-off. And then 
because of the tax cuts to small businesses, we didn't have to pay as much taxes there, which is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. But to answer your question, being a small business owner, paying taxes is a completely different mindset than being an employee where the money's just taking out of your paycheck. If mm-hmm. every if everyone had to put the money in their bank and then write a check, whether it was quarterly or however often you had to write a tax check, you would have a completely different appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's just being withheld, you just assume, okay, here's my take-home pay. And I remember right. back, especially when I was younger, I relied on that that refund check at the at tax time every year because it was always I think around a grand that I'd get back, and that's that was my vacation money. You know, it's when we we'd get to go do something, and then I started talking to people that were a little older and a little wiser than me about money, and they're like, "Why are you giving the the government a loan? You're basically giving them money for free and asking them to hold it and give it back to you next year. Mm-hmm. That's because one, I, I'm like most people, I was terrible with with managing my money. If I had to put whatever it be, a hundred dollars a week, I guess is what it or hundred dollars a month away for that thousand dollars at the end of the year, I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have done it. I would have spent it throughout the year and not had that money. So I think as a whole, people need to be better about managing their money better at budgeting and you know spending appropriately not living up to your means hard as it, it can be and really looking at that tax money that you're you're spending it, it's just like i said just a completely different mindset yeah it really is and it's weird because you know we we have to pay personal taxes and we have to pay taxes for the business mm-hmm. and the taxes for the business is always this weird thing because it's like I feel like I'm paying taxes on money that, like, I never actually get to. You know, it's like it's <laughs> it's company money, and it's it's just this weird thing for me. You know, it's hard to it's hard. I, I discovered it's, it's kind of hard to explain to the family. It's like, yeah, you know, I pay all in all, I had to pay this much in taxes, but you know, most of that was for for business, and it's mm-hmm. like it's not like I have that income. Like, I wish I had the income for the taxes we're paying. But we don't have that. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Yep. I'm there with you. It's, so like it, I said, it's hard to explain to other people that being a for-profit business, you put money back into the business to keep funding it or to grow it or, you know, to have money for uh, whatever future investments or however you need, whatever expenses you're saving for. And mm-hmm. basically you still have to pay taxes on that money. You got to keep money around to to pay people and things like that. So yeah, and like you That's said, right. you have to. I tr- I try every every pay period. I try not to pay people, and they get mad at me. It's so weird how they get so so touchy about that. I know, John. I have a sick kid. I Just have be- a house payment. I have a boat I want to buy. Hello, you get to hang out with us. Come on, that should be payment enough. Well. They're great people. And and I don't have a boat. Don't I'm not even interested in a boat. Although I keep trying to tell John we need a plane. He won't let me buy a company plane. <laughs> <laughs> they cost money. Yeah. Silly. But what? um so yeah, John, I mean, you've got you've got to talk uh development talk 
this week because I have not been doing a whole lot of anything. I am super excited to to say that the main project I work on officially as of this week, 100% PHP 7.3. Amazing. That's amazing. A long way coming. Finally got the green light to start writing PHP 7 code because for the longest time it PHP 7 was on, you know, a portion of the servers. So you can't write 7 specific code because it's going to blow up on the servers still running 5.6. Mm-hmm. So finally worked through any any of the lingering issues and uh, ready to move forward. Nice. What a just absolute long game that's been for you. Yeah. But yeah, have a, a great team of people that pitched in and the next step is they're still using a library that was written for PHP 4 to do the database layer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so it's such a dependency within the system. Why can I not think of the term? What am I thinking of, Eric? Where uh, it's tightly coupled. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Uh so much of the code base is tightly coupled to this ancient library that I added it to the code base so that we could manipulate it. We can make changes to it without fear of losing that. And it's nothing, it's nothing that I would contribute back to the community because one, it's dead. It's not a maintained uh, package. So now there's a lot of work being done to, to finally strip that out. But it's hard because you're doing a cost benefit analysis of, we want to make this change, but end users, customers aren't going to necessarily see the benefit. So you're, you've got to do a lot of work up front for the gain to be in development time in the future. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, most of our business, matter of fact, all of our business is centered around PHP. Um, we do we do some operations stuff, some sysadmin stuff. Um, obviously, we have some JavaScript. Uh, friends and things like that. But PHP is the core of our business. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally love coding in PHP. I I don't... I have been doing it for so long, I have moved on from the whole feeling like I have to defend it to other developers who want to use other languages. Just like I'm... I'm not having this argument anymore. But I was recently listening to a podcast and uh, they were talking about how the demise of PHP has been predicted for so long, and yet it has not died. And their theory is now, with the separation of front-end and back-end development, and it, it really has become a much easier thing to separate out, that they think that now is the time that we'll finally see PHP start to die on the vine as companies start to really separate front end, front end and back ends with front ends going more JavaScript uh, uh, frameworks and libraries like Vue, React, um, Angular, back ends going more of the direction of maybe a Python or, or one of these newer uh, languages. I still don't see that. I'm like, I don't understand why 
you w- you wouldn't continue. I I do see the separation of front end and back end, but mm-hmm. why PHP doesn't still factor into that? Is I there something either. I'm missing? Do you what do you what what do you feel on this? I one I still don't understand all the gripes. I I understand where PHP came from, but PHP has matured so much in the past two decades mm-hmm. that that's really not a strong point. Mm-hmm. It, it's still widely available, uh, actively growing itself as a as a language. I just. I see it having a a place for a long time to come. Even with the separation, there's still back-end code, you know, and not every not every site is going to go to a fully uh, a full spa type of application. Yeah. And like and even if they did, you still have to have something on the back-end for your API calls. I suppose you could get away with having stuff in Lambda, you know, you, mm-hmm. up in AWS. Mm-hmm. You you have databases available via like a, a Firebase or some other cloud based one, but st- I still think there's gonna there needs to be code on the back end somewhere, and there's no reason that I don't see PHP going away. I, yeah, I agree with you, and I also don't understand people's desire for it to die. <laughs> it's like <laughs> why why is it such a you know mission for so many people? It seems so morbid, um, the, too. Like, it's got to be gone. No, it's got such a place. The closest I think I... I, I you know, obviously, when... Um, well, not obviously, but when Rails really took off, uh, I saw a lot of potential of it chewing into the PHP ecosystem, and I'm sure it did. But, you know, end of day... If you ever worked with Rails, especially back then, this would have been... 20 years ago. Yeah, 20, 20, 20 or so years ago. It was a pain in the ass to get running on a server. I mean, you had versioning it? issues. You had, you know, this stuff wasn't installed by default on systems. And it was it was not easy to get up and running consistently on the server. See, it's Which the is, funny... The funny thing is, I came from a Perl background. I had a mm-hmm. multi-million-dollar-a-month website. Not mine personally. I worked for somebody that had that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. where everything was written in Perl. I I grew up writing Perl backend sites, and I learned about PHP. Started switching to PHP at the same time. A very good friend of mine got uh who got me into Perl, got me into web development in general, uh, he went off somewhere else and started using Ruby and he came back to me and was like, this is the way to go. You need to understand Ruby, uh Active Record, you know, their whole database structure is amazing. You need to uh start learning this. And but- and, and keep in mind for the time it was Really cutting edge. Active Record was huge. The Bundler, uh, which is basically PHP's now composer. But Rails had it first. They had this whole idea of bundling these these little packages and being able to pull in packages. And, and it, they did it, and they did it well. So it, 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 there was a lot of appeal to developers. 
Yeah, I just I never went down that road. I never uh got into writing Ruby. It was uh it was basically a choice I had to make. I'd already started down the road of PHP. I had, I had started the rewrite process when he introduced me to it. And I was just like, nope, I'm going to stay on this road. Obviously, now I'm happy I did. Yeah. I I probably went I probably did a solid year of just straight Rails development. Now, this was before I was a professional developer. Um, it was all my little coding projects that I was doing on the side. And uh, I decided um, you know, I was going to go the route of Rails. I liked the whole idea of the framework. It was the first time I was introduced to the framework. And to this day, you've heard the story before, John, I'm sure. But to this day, I credit that fact for me becoming a better PHP developer because mm. I am, um, it was, I remember I was trying to learn object oriented programming in PHP and I couldn't get my head around it. Like I had, I was a self taught PHP developer, you know, logic was all in line and I was trying to understand where to write functions. I was trying to understand why you created classes and I was just struggling so hard with it, and I couldn't get my head around it. And it was about that time I decided I, I came across Rails. I'm like, oh wow, I really like this whole structure they have, the framework they have. And because I didn't know Ruby like I knew PHP, I was very dependent on understanding the Rails framework and doing things the Rails framework way. And so. That is what taught me object-oriented programming. It's like I, I had no choice. I had to learn it that way with Rails. And once I got that concept down, it was so easy for me to then apply it back to PHP. And I remember, like, especially near the end of my Rails development, I remember thinking to myself, I could do this so much faster in PHP. Like, I know what I want to do in PHP. I just wish I could find a framework like Rails. And that's when I started looking for I actually started looking for frameworks in PHP that were similar to the Rails framework in Ruby. And I stumbled across a couple. Um, that's where I got started with Cake. And and then once I once I switched back, there was there was no I I, I totally I like I almost almost that day. It's not even like I kept trying to keep up with with Ruby because so many things were changing in the Ruby ecosystem. Um I think they were looking they were doing a, a major upgrade to Ruby or to Rails. And I just couldn't keep up. And so it was almost like in one day I just decided to go back to PHP and didn't, didn't look back. So it's not a terrible thing to take up another language. Um, to this day, I still do uh, Python programming. Um, occasionally, I enjoy Python programming. Uh, I wish I had more of a reason to do more of it. I, I look for reasons to do Python programming, but I'm not very good at it. Uh, definitely not to the level I am with PHP. But you know, it's Again, always good to have another language. Another language I've I've only hacked in. I've never written anything in it. I've used it for various things, but always got very confused, especially with the whole Python two versus three and what was installed. There was so okay. much confusion around it. And being a web developer, and that's really how I grew up in coding professionally. I did plenty of coding prior for fun but actually getting paid to write stuff 
I never got into how to install something like Python, you know, Mm. or how to get it Mm. working within a uh, web server at the time Mm. really would have only been Apache. Mm-hmm. So not having the fact that I could just have PHP up and running, I, I just stayed there. Yeah. Same thing with with C C uh, C plus plus. I could read it. I could get in there and hack it. I when it came to debugging, like you've talked about, I can I can look at code and kind of figure it out. But to sit down and write it just was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Moving on from that, you know, I've spent a lot of time. Lately, running after security issues. So That's always fun. It's challenging. You know, there's there's lots of tools out there that will try and break your website. Using those, I've, I've been able to find a lot of a lot of issues in this application. We take the report and we submit to Salesforce, and then they came back and somehow they found lots of other issues down to yeah. versions of libraries. That's never fun. Trying to upgrade jQuery that you're afraid to touch or you're relying on on dependencies of jQuery of older versions and anyway such a nightmare but it had me going down the road of xss most of those problems are easy to solve you know sanitizing filtering your input escaping your output all they those call, are, you're talking about cross site scripting right XSS. yeah xss cross site scripting while i'm doing some research what comes across my YouTube feed today, but Google has had a cross-site scripting uh, vulnerability for months. It was like November or sometime last year up till I think February of this year. But the the way this video went about explaining it, it's just fascinating that people can take the time to figure out that this will break. If you put tags in this order or... You know, you just tweak these couple of characters and then all of a sudden there's a, a vulnerability there. Fascinating. Yeah, I saw, I, I was watching that video. You shared it in the company Slack and I, uh, I was watching that video. Yeah, I just, I, I it, it amazes me how people find that stuff. Basically, I mean, all the, when you're doing testing, you use an alert box because as soon as you see the alert box, you know it worked, right? Mm-hmm. But when you step back and you think about, wait, Where I put that alert box, I could put any code and have it run on your machine. I can put code on your machine that you would never see. Or I can now make you do a Google search that you didn't mean to do because you're on Google. (laughs) You know, it's just absolutely astonishing. But all all it takes is a well-crafted URL for somebody to click on it. Yeah. And the way this one worked was you'd go to the URL and nothing would happen until you clicked into the search box. And then I guess at that point, Google was doing some, they were trying to do some sanitization of the string, yet somebody was able to craft it where even when you sanitized it, it still caused a vulnerability. (laughs) So I highly recommend going and watching this video. it opened my eyes on how parsing works a little more in depth ways of filtering your input. Uh, they're recommending you should actually do the filtering on your JavaScript side. Cause we're, I'm so used to 
I'll let them put it into the, the field. And as soon as they submit it to my server, that's where I'll, I'll parse it, right? But mm-hmm. I did find an issue in the application that I work on that you would, we were taking in whatever they put into the field and immediately pushing it back out into the DOM versus, so it did two things. You, you save it to a field, it would send it to the server and show something in the DOM. So yes, I was filtering what was sent to the, the server side, but we show it a, uh, show a little box saying, you know, we're, we're now doing this and there's an XSS vulnerability. That's crazy. I got, oh, I got the video playing. Didn't mean to play the video. Stop video. <laughs> don't play. Stop playing. Stop playing. <laughs> it's still playing. Think like virus. It won't stop. There you go. <laughs> You're not yeah, that, 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 uh, that was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. So we'll, we'll have that in the, in the show notes as well. Yeah. Love learning about that stuff. Yeah. But before you go on, I want go going back to your, our interview with Chris. We're interviewing him for the PHP podcast, but the whole t- subject was the fact that he is the subject chair or the track chair for uh PHP Tech. Mm-hmm. So if you're not already planning on attending, uh you know, I'll give him a free commercial because I love what Eli does and, and the whole PHP Architect team putting on PHP Tech. They changed the the format this year to where they hand-picked, I forget how many people, but they basically are the chair for their track. So Grumpy, or Chris Arches is doing the testing track, which makes perfect sense. He's got seven to eight hours of material, so I guess he gets one track for a full day. And then they mm-hmm. have other tracks like Professional PHP and uh, API development. If you're not already going to tech, please consider going. I'm going to be out there. Come and say hi. He'll That's be out there. He'll, he'll have uh, PHP Ugly stickers with them. So be sure to say, hey, I listened to PHP Ugly. Can I have a sticker? Maybe I'll have some That's buttons too. I still have a bunch, uh, of, uh, a bunch of the buttons. You have buttons? You have the physical buttons? Yeah, I still have a few of those. Oh, there you go. PHP Ugly listeners. Uh, track John down at, at Tech uh, in... That's this month, right? No, A couple May. weeks. Oh, it's May. Like, End of May. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. Four, it's like four or five weeks away. Oh, yeah. Track, uh, track John down and, and tell him you want a sticker. Or you want a uh, button. So Ch- chances are I'll say sorry, don't have any buttons. Here's a sticker. <laughs> uh we were talking a little bit about frameworks earlier, and we'd covered it on the show um months ago uh, about how Zen has started to focus on um on the server, their server component, and you know where that left all the other projects, the the framework and uh, a couple of the other products that they had, and it sounds like now that um, that's getting picked up by um, the Ap- Apache Foundation, I think it is. Oh, really? Yeah, and they're they're actually spinning it off to. Um, it's called I don't, I don't even know how to pronounce it. 
Laminous. Laminous? Is that it? L A M I N A S? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Matthew Rarafini, well, I believe, is continuing on with that project. How do you feel about this? Uh, so the project encompasses the various standalone components, the MVC framework, Apagility, which is a fantastic uh, uh, project uh, that came out of Zen uh, for APIs. I never did that deep of a dive into it, but man, it was really appealing um, when I was getting into uh, uh, API development. And then the expressive uh, subject, uh, subject, the expressive uh, sub-project. Um, how do you feel about this? You know, prior to our our interview with Chris, I didn't really give it much consideration. You know, I, I felt like I used Zen Framework back when it was Zen Framework 1 uh, very briefly. I was trying to get in a legacy code base into a framework, and this was one of the ones I tried. Uh, it was right around the time one was changing to two, so it kind of just came and went from my consciousness. And when I started seeing everyone picking up Laravel, that just seemed like the way to go. So a lot of our newer projects picked up Laravel and continued along. So I, I figured Zen Framework was just going to go bye-bye, just like all the others. And then talking with Chris, he brought up such a great point that when you only have a single framework, you have something to worry about. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's why Ruby never really took off, because it had a single Rails framework that everyone was using. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was just a, it was kind of an eye-opener, like, wow, we probably should have these other frameworks around and continue to grow and, you know, not have a singular popular one, especially with the way uh, Laravel has this knack of just breaking. You you try to upgrade it and all of a sudden your your code stops mm. or, or you're getting pigeonholed into a specific version because you can't upgrade or don't want to take the time to upgrade. I, I think my opinion of it was, um, so... Th- the biggest gripe we have with Laravel is the idea that, uh, well, there's a couple of gripes we have, right? It's, it, it's the fact that it's, it's you know kind of a single single developer uh, framework as far as uh, Taylor kind of makes all the decisions on what goes in and when it goes in and how it goes in. Um, it's not really a community framework. I mean, c- a community people contribute, but end of day, Taylor is kind of the dictator over the framework as to how things get implemented. That's that's one component. But that's not that's not that horrible. Um the 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 one that we struggle with, especially as a business, is the the idea that it is a community supported framework. So there is you know we joke about you know uh the the enterprise aspect of Laravel. And these are all the components that Zen had uh, the, the the Zen framework had when it was part of the Zen company is that it was enterprise ready, right? It, it had the it had the support, it had the training, it had the uh, professional services, it had all that. Now it doesn't. Now it's just another community framework, and it's where I hear what you're saying as far as 
we don't really want that one framework out there. We don't really have that one framework out there. We have a lot of alternatives, good alternatives. I mean, Symphony is the Symphony components are what make up Laravel, and mm-hmm. Symphony is still out there. You know, it's still a um, a viable solution. You have others. You know, Cake I mentioned earlier is still out there. So, it's like I wonder if we need another community framework. Um, I think that people, I think companies that invested in the Zen framework and might not have taken advantage of the professional support want to see this because they would rather have a community framework continue down the road than no framework at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were, we were again, talking to Grumpy about it. Um, and I mean, Zen is just has really, I mean, it's so head and shoulders over, uh, any other framework out there right now. I just, I don't know. I I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I I don't, I don't see myself using it. Um, Maybe old, you know, Zen developers will, will embrace it and continue down the road. I just don't, I just don't know if we have a need for another community framework. I think we have a need for another company framework, like one that's supported like Symphony. Um, Because if you think about it, I mean, unless I'm missing and ob- something obvious, Symphony now is the only one that kind of meets those criteria for being enterprise ready. Well, I was going to say that they were picked up as, excuse me, as a source project on the Linux Foundation, not Apache. Oh, but, that's right. Good call. But it's an open source project hosted at the Linux Foundation. Does that mean Linux Foundation is supporting it via any sort of monetary contribution? Did the. I- believe that's what I read. I, I think there's some monetary contribution there. Um, let's see if we can find that. I thought it was on this page. Yeah, I mean, that is to say something. Like, the Linux Foundation does have financial backing, so... And maybe that... Maybe it does become that enterprise piece. Maybe maybe they'll be able to offer support at some point. Hmm. That would be interesting. There's nothing saying that an open source project can't be enterprise ready. I mean, look at Linux itself. Mm-hmm. Red Hat was probably one of the most famous enterprise solutions of an open source software. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, a, I, I, there's I completely a possibility agree with you there. Yeah. It, it depends on if they're looking to go that route. Maybe they hear us complain about Laravel all the time the fact that it's not really enterprise ready and Zen, we'll say, or the Zen framework now laminas will say, Maybe this will. This is our niche. This is where we can fit in. Yeah, I don't know. I, now, how do you feel? Still, as the company Diego Dev, uh, you know, we have a substantial amount of projects invested in Laravel, but you're in a unique position where you actually haven't done a lot of Laravel development. Just seeing the kind of the politics around it. How do you feel about? decisions that we've made with going with Laravel for certain clients and for certain projects? Um, Honestly, because of the politics behind it, it makes me sad that we went that route. The fact that so many people bash Laravel was a sign to begin with, but people bash anything, right? The the fact that it's popular is going to mean it gets bashed a lot. There's developers around me that absolutely refuse to work on Laravel and take the bashing to a whole nother level 
and I, it's like, I really want to know more as to why I understand mm-hmm. I, the politics is, is one huge piece, but the actual code behind it seems pretty solid mm-hmm. un, until you upgrade via a single patch number and everything breaks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's frustrating. Uh, talking with Chris last night and how Laravel is one of those. It's so easy to use that it's kind of like an entry level. Let me get started programming but Mm -hmm. when you really want to know more and and code deeper you probably should move out of it Mm -hmm. it it makes me wonder did we just get stuck using laravel for some reason Mm -hmm. yeah and i i think it was community at the time we we had people around us that were big into laravel at laravel 3 going to 4 made us want to use it more because of that involvement and then sticking with it you know watching it grow at that point it's like yeah i want to be part of this train i want to stay on it it's it's going where i want to go and now almost feel stuck on that train and it's out Mm -hmm. of control (laughs) going the wrong way down the tracks yeah i I mean again i always talk about how it was like a perfect storm especially for us as a company as laravel was the first framework to embrace a lot of the new uh, workflows that embraced Composer. Um, it, it started embracing the PSRs, and it it really kind of led the way. And it just kind of hit right at the time where we're starting our business, we're starting projects, we're bringing on clients. And it's just like, well, you know, if we're making a decision right now, everybody else is about two, three years behind. Laravel is so ahead of the curve right now that, you know, it seems to be the direction to go in. Well, Mm -hmm. now that we're two, three, four, five years after the fact, and a lot of these, uh, a lot of these frameworks uh, have, you know, retooled and have caught up with leveraging composer and the PSRs. It, it, it's definitely a harder, harder sell now. And, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, bear like most of the burden as being the decision maker on a lot of this but i keep telling myself i would feel the same way no matter what framework i went with is that i I feel yeah i feel like i would be trapped which is not an argument not to have a framework i've always been pro framework um i see nothing wrong with with you know getting started with a structured uh framework and you know it allows you to bring on developers and have an, having a known uh, style to adhere to mm-hmm. uh, it always appealed to me. Uh, so do, I you, think the, do you have any regrets of choosing Laravel? I have the, I mean, now I have regrets in the sense that I think where Laravel, Laravel was so far, to, far ahead of the curve on adopting some of these new ideas and philosophies, they've now fallen behind. And some of the most simple practices that, that people uh, use, Laravel is just stubborn and not using them. And so that's, that's like, it's like, God damn it. You know, just, you know, version your stuff correctly. It's not that big of a request. Just version Mm -hmm. your stuff correctly. Uh, I think my biggest concern is, um, from a company's perspective, it would be nice to be able to go to my clients and say, hey, if we need help 
we can ha- we can get a contract with Symphony for support on the project that we implemented for you because it's a Symphony project. And Symphony can come in and give us some support. And you really can't do that with Laravel. I mean, I'm sure there, there are other, uh, other uh, agencies out there like us that say, hey, no, we're Laravel experts. We'll step in and help you. But, but that's not what I want. I want it from, from Laravel. I want it from Symphony. If I have a Symphony framework, I want support from Symphony. If I have a Laravel framework, I want support from Laravel. And I think that's one of the things that's hurt or that has me concerned as a company. And then the other big thing is just trying to keep up with it. Uh, Laravel is very much, you know, always moving forward, always doing releases. And from a company perspective, it's just so difficult to, to stay current with Laravel. Uh, that. That has that has caused us some headache. It wouldn't be so bad if they took semantic versioning seriously yeah. to the point where you could stay up to date on the minor re- or the patch releases. The minor releases, you, when they come out, you take a quick look, make sure what you have isn't going to break completely, mm-hmm. and and then you make a decision on the major releases. Yeah. And, at what point do you stop? moving up on those. Mm-hmm. Like you said, no matter what you would have chosen to begin with, it, you feel kind of trapped. Yeah. But it it comes down to the politics. That, Like you said, that's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. It sure is. At the end of the day, I love coding. I love coding. And, and Laravel definitely makes it pleasant. You, I wish, I wish you had an opportunity to do more Laravel development. Uh, <laughs> it's just really fun to do, to code. And Laravel. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. I have the microservice out there. Just There's so much other work to be done that I don't get a chance to get in there and add anything to it. It's kind of like a yeah. back burner type of thing. When you got an extra few hours, do something over there. It's like, uh, never have an extra few hours. Exactly what we talked about. How out of date is your microservice? Because, I mean, you just, you just probably did that like within the last couple of months. And it's probably... I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine a few versions behind. Oh, I'm sure. I don't even know yeah. what what version of Laravel it's using. Yeah. What else do you have going on? <clears throat> oh, man. I don't know. I'm circling the drain here. Like I said. I'm ready to go to bed. It's going to be a short night because I, I was exhausted well before we started. What did you? We didn't play racquetball today. What? What did you? What exhausted you? Or do I want to know? Same old, same old. Ultimate Frisbee. It, went, it hurts it my feelings that, that Ultimate Frisbee takes more out of you than Racquetball. Because Racquetball damn well nearly kills me. <laughs> racquetball takes a lot out of me, too. What are you talking about? I, you make me, you, I, feel, like, I feel like you still, you still have energy after Racquetball. You go, you do your little leg presses and your little plinking. Meanwhile, I'm passed out on the on the bench, praying for death to come swiftly. All I can say is, if you get in shape, there's no way I'm I'd be able to keep up with you in racquetball. And I put- have always told you I am in shape. Round is a shape. <laughs> if you got in a shape other than round. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, um, 
I tell you, every time baseball season gets started up, I I miss the younger me. God, I miss the younger body. I miss the being able to go out and play some ball. And it sucks getting old. Try it's not to not, get old, John. It's not too late. Yeah. I mean, it, it, take, it takes a lot of discipline. And I I still have lots of people in their 50s, 60s, probably in their couple in their 70s playing Ultimate Frisbee with me. Really? And, and many of really? them. Many of them outrun me. No kidding. Yeah. Keeping up with you and everything. Yeah. So you did go to, I, I gave you a hard time about it. Actually, we blew over it last week, but you did go, San Diego does have a professional ultimate Frisbee team, and you went to the season opener. How was it? <laughs> I kept trying to crowbar it in there, and you just kept talking right over last, last week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It, the The sad part is... You know, it's not a huge sport, so they they play where they can get field space. So they play at a high school football field, mm-hmm. which means they can't serve alcohol during the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, not that that not that you need alcohol to to enjoy it, but you know, I was I uh, I met Spencer beforehand, and we went and got dinner, and he chose a place, and the first place he chose, he was telling me. Oh, they have great beer. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll have a beer tonight and we'll we'll do that. And then he switches venues. He's like, well, no, I really want Mexican tonight. Let's meet here. Get there. No beer. <laughs> oh, over, really? A Mexican joint without beer? Yeah. It, it's a, it was just a little place down in PB. Mm-hmm. And then get over to the stadium and no beer there. I'm like, oh, man. Not that I drink a lot of beer anymore, but... It was a night where I was like, oh, I'll have a beer tonight. And yeah. The one day you were giving yourself permission to have a beer, and it, uh, exactly. you couldn't, couldn't get a beer. <laughs> exactly. But the game was phenomenal. Uh, some amazing plays. Uh, we won by two points, which is always fun to have the home team win. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the video of the second week, and it was a buzzer beater win for us, mm-hmm. where... I mean, you got to know the sport a little bit, but our somebody on our team caught it one second left on the clock, and he he throws the disc to the end zone. And in ultimate frisbee, as soon as it, as long as the disc is in the air before time runs out, whatever happens happens. Mm-hmm. So, so he throws it to the end zone. Big group of people all jump for it. The defense, the other team, knocks it away. Actually, hits it twice, and on the second time, hits it to the back of the end zone but not enough to stop it. So one of our guys was able to dive uh, and catch it for the win. <laughs> it was, it was tied and uh, tied up until that point, win by one point buzzer beater, fun stuff. Okay. I made that a, what was an exciting story to me. I turned into a very boring story. I'm sorry. I think it's time to wrap <laughs> this show up. Now you know how the rest of us feel when we try to listen to people talk about ultimate baseball, ultimate frisbee, baseball, oh, ultimate frisbee. Baseball. baseball is awesome. My greatest uh, memories as a child. You talked about how uh, ultimate uh, they they play at uh, high school, and some of my greatest memories as a child is my dad used to take me to a minor league baseball team, uh, the Arlington Dukes, uh, which was they were in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, we went to the Arlington Dukes. And at the time, I think they were a Class A team affiliated with um, 
I forget who they were affiliated with. Anyways, they played at a high school. And nowadays, you go to a minor league baseball game, and it's like they have their own stadiums. They're 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 gorgeous stadiums, and I I I enjoyed. I sat with uh, a couple of minor league ball players. Uh, like when they had double headers, the ball players would come into the stands because their families would be in the stands. And uh, you know, eat hot dogs or something between games. And yeah, I sat with these ball players, and they were like, "Hey, you know, why don't you come to dinner with us after the game?" And I, I'm young. I mean, I'm like twelve, thirteen, and you know, my dad is like, "Ah, uh, you know, he's got school tomorrow." He's, I'm like, "Dad, <laughs> baseball players want us to go to dinner with them. Let's go have dinner with them." You know. <laughs> but I saw Daryl Strawberry play when he was like a kid. Uh, I mean, it was just. Best memories. I love. I love minor league baseball. I love baseball. I mean, you know that. And I enjoyed professional baseball, but I love minor league baseball. I could go. I almost rather watch minor league baseball than professional baseball because those guys are scrapping, man. They're 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 working for it. All right. Well, I think this this is good. We're we're right at about an hour. This should be a pretty easy one to edit. So <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up. I don't oh, even know if we've had an anybody watching us today. Um, nobody in, in Dis- Discord. Discord. Nobody, nobody helping us out in Discord. Popping in messages. Hey, go get them, guys. Good show or anything. That's so you fine. Want, you want to hear something funny? I, Absolutely. You, you were just telling me we're we're just at an hour. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I just looked. We're at 35 minutes. No, my audio program has been recording for 35 hours. <laughs> Not recording, running. Not, not, not recording, running, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we're uh, like 35 minutes in? It's taking forever. I did mention it, or we didn't notice last week, and we forgot to add everybody to the Patreon. A Patreon thing. They have Buttery. Buttery's always there for us. <laughs> Jeez, way to go, Buttery. Um, we, did, we do have some more Patreons. Uh, got the list updated. Thanks, everybody, for your support. Uh, new people, I will uh, work on getting you packages out. Uh, if you're in the, if you're in the U.S., actually, I, I need to I need to check your addresses and see where you're at. But uh, we'll get you back some a little some rewards. Little swag, yeah. Little swag, yeah. Matter you need to take some swag with you. John. Take some with you. Uh, right. The PHP tech. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, think of, think of the tech. Of course. Moving? Where are you moving, Buttery? Are you are you leaving China or are you just moving, like, locally? <laughs> You're now, asking now, the question. Now we're going to sit here and see what Buttery is up to. It's like, shit, why not, right? We'll wrap up and we'll talk to Buttery after this. Yeah, sounds good. All right, uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, catch you guys next week. I'm John Congdon. I'm Eric Van Johnson. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly or join us in our Discord channel. 
Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. Thank you.